Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money and one that I am so freaking pumped about today because I get to talk to my dear friends Emily and Hayden Vavra, two of the most successful seven-figure earners in their 20s. Yes, in their 20s. And here's the crazy part. Each of them came from very different backgrounds. So we dive in and we talk about how those opposite upbringings have had an effect on their significant success today. We talk about how regardless of which end of the spectrum you come from, you will still make it if you want to. Then we get into when they knew they were destined to do something great. Was it a gut feeling? Was it a sign? What's it like to thrive as an entrepreneurial couple and how to make it work? That's probably the most important part. And then what comes first? Is it the knowledge of being successful or the worthiness of being successful? And best of all, what role does giving play in business and their success? So listen up, get ready, because this episode is on fire. All right, I am sitting here with two of my best friends, Emily and Hayden Vavra. I'm so freaking stoked to ask you guys so many questions today. You guys ready? We're ready. So ready. Yes. All right, let's do it. So to get started, I want to know, what was the financial environment like for each of you growing up? I'm talking beliefs, habits, language. What was it like? For me, it was money doesn't grow on trees. Um, I, you know, I grew up with hand-me-down clothing my single mother, she worked so hard, but it was always a struggle to make ends meet. Um, you know, we really weren't the family that ever went on vacations. Um, and so it was always, you know, money was a hardship for our family growing up. Um, and that's really what I carried into my adulthood. Yeah, and for me, I was very blessed. Uh, oldest of seven people, but or seven kids. Uh, but my, my parents were always, you know, pursuing their dreams. So it always gave me permission to do so. And it wasn't, it wasn't ever talking about, you know, you can earn this amount, that amount, but it was never a, a lack uh, of mentality. And I think, you know, I, I just feel so fortunate to grow up in that environment to be able to see that, you know, anything is possible. And we're always encouraged to really go after our dreams. Okay, so this dichotomy is awesome because on one hand, Hayden, you were brought up, hey, chase your dreams, no dreams too big, go get them. And part of that is is the reason probably why you played a little bit of NFL football, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was that, that was my childhood dream since I, I can never remember. And so that's how I thought, you know, I was going to make things happen was, was through playing football and, and uh, you know, being an influence that way. But, you know, Good. I'm, I'm pretty glad it's worked out the way it has. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. So now, M, you're on the other side. You were brought up, you said, single, hardworking mom, but didn't have a lot of abundance to give, not a lot of extra to give. Hand-me-down clothes. And what's so ironic about that is you're known as like the queen of fashion now, right? So maybe there's a correlation there. Who knows? But right. you came from the opposite of Hayden, yet mm -hmm. you guys ended up in the exact same spot. And that is crazy successful. Mm -hmm. So... When did each of you know that you would do something big in your life? I knew when I was a little girl. I grew up in a very toxic environment, being the youngest of three. Um, we had a live-in abusive boyfriend, and I played by myself a lot. I was by myself a lot. And I just remember growing up, probably like seven, eight years old, I just knew that there was something different about me, but I didn't exactly know what it was, right? And I always had this feeling in my heart that I would do something big. And again, I didn't know what it was, but I knew I was different. And I just carried that through. 
um, growing up, going through middle school, high school. Um, but again, it wasn't really until I found leadership in the profession we're in that I really stepped into it. So I'm curious, was it a gut feeling, a knowing, uh, it, was it burning so deep in you that you weren't worried you knew it would work out one day or was it the opposite, a, a gut feeling, a burning that was so strong that you said, why haven't I made it yet? It was definitely a knowing in my soul that I'm different and it's okay to be different. That's awesome. I love that. Hayden, what about you? When did you know that you would do something big in life? I guess, you know, from the beginning, I always thought it would be something, um, it just, it's been like this huge growth journey that until I would say within the last 10 years that I really begin to understand, you know, in my eyes, you know, what is doing something big? Um, what is making a big impact? And when I'm growing up, when I was very little, it, it looked very different. You know, I thought, well, if football doesn't work out, I'll become a doctor and help people that way. And, and as I begin to evolve and, and really you know, see the world through a different lens, I, I thought, well, you know, I can make a bigger impact a different way. Um, and, I, and I think that's what we've done. So it's, it's always kind of evolved, but I knew from the, the very beginning, I think just because of that encouragement I always had um, from family that I was going to do something big. I just really had no clue what that was. What I love about the dichotomy in, in both of your stories is that it shows no matter where you come from, you are absolutely able to still smash it. There's no excuses, mm -hmm. no matter which end of the spectrum you came from. So I'm curious, still kind of talking about growing up, picturing growing up, our circumstances always give us some kind of strength that other people usually don't have, right? You know, you have a bunch of experiences, they start to develop these muscles. Emily, for you, what is one strength you think you developed because of your upbringing? Definitely the ability and just to work hard because my mom, she worked so hard for us three kids to, you know, put us in sports and to feed us and do all that stuff. But there was never someone doing it for her. So I watched her just do it. You know, she didn't complain about it. She just did it. And that's definitely how I am today. That's amazing. It reminds me of my wife, Lori, you know, she grew up also with parents that had, you know, claimed bankruptcy twice and, and they struggled a lot. And when I met Lori, I remember thinking she was one of the hardest working people and the small things didn't bother her like mm -hmm. they did me. Mm -hmm. And that was a muscle that I actually envied. So the, the two of you, you know, really are kind of the same person in that. That's really mm -hmm. cool. And I, I feel like if there's any superpower that you could have, um, that's the one that I would want the superpower where you don't sweat the small stuff and you can outwork anything, mm -hmm. right? Because think about it, then there's nothing you couldn't accomplish. Nothing. I love that. Hayden, what was your strength that you developed growing up? Uh, I think just due to birth order, I was always kind of forced into this leadership role. And I saw that even, you know, in my family, uh, having to babysit on the weekends when my parents were out doing meetings or at functions or whatever it may be, um, weeknights. And then it really transferred into the classroom and then it transferred into, you know, sports. I was always the team captain, uh, you know, making sure people were doing the right thing, trying to lead by example. Uh, that's, I, I would say leadership was, was something I've always just kind of carried on through, um, whether it's due to birth order or, or whatnot, but I, I think that played a huge role in it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> listen, you guys were destined to be successful. Yeah. You've got on one hand, the ability to outwork anything. On the other hand, you've got natural leadership. You guys are destined to find each other and crush it. So take me back to the earliest conversation that you guys can remember having when you guys first decided that you were worthy and able to make a significant seven figure living, right? We all have that moment where like, damn it. I know I can do this or damn it is finally happening. Right. Can you guys even remember that point? Mm, absolutely. I was at an event, personal development event, and we were all handed checks and you know, they said, write the amount that you want to make in a year. And I remember it's when everything switched because I saw too many people doing what I wanted to do. There was so much social proof and I still remember it to this day. My hand was quivering, just quivering. And I wrote myself out a check for a million dollars. 
and I'm like, this is possible. This is totally possible. I don't really know how I'm going to do it. I just know it's possible. So I went home and I put it up on my vision board and just stared at it until it happened. It's amazing. I actually think I remember, was it maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, going to your apartment yes. and seeing the check yes. filled out. And at the time I thought you were crazy. That's so awesome. <laughs> I got to ask, do you remember how much you were making when you wrote that million dollar checkout and knew that you would make it? About $30,000 a year. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. awesome yeah. to be making thirty grand a year, but know that you are supposed to be making a million and to feel it. Yeah, That's awesome. Hayden, do you remember your earliest conversation or, or, or moment around this? Yeah, I, well, it was, <clears throat> I have to give a lot of credit to Emily here because she kind of slapped me up. I was in a, just in a really big bad funk in my life uh, and, and really in a transition period trying to figure out, you know, what, what do I want to do? What's, you know, what's going on? I wasn't making the best decisions. I wasn't impacting lives. I wasn't helping people out. And I started to see Emily's growth. And she was just came to me and she's like, what are you doing? And that was kind of the moment I woke up and got to an event. I started, you know, digging back into personal development, reading books. I think one of the biggest books that helped me was Secret to the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. And as I was reading that, I was like, okay, it's, it's so much of a mindset. Like I need to first believe that I can do it. And through that kind of series of events happened all within about a month. Uh, it didn't take very long and I was just like, let's like, I can do this. Let's do this. And you see other people being successful. And I was like, if they can do it, I can do it too. Why not? Let's go. It's amazing. I think both you and I share that in common where we've seen moments in time where our, our wives are significantly outgrowing us and we need to have that sobering up time to catch up, time to play bigger moment. Yeah. So thank goodness for them. Or you and I'd be like bums down on Santa Monica yeah. beach. I don't know. It'd be bad. It'd We'd be, be bad, the ones Chris. that they wake up with the stick. You know, the police go by and wake up with the stick every morning on the beach. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So I got to ask you, it kind of leads us to the obvious question. And that is what comes first? Is it the feel? Is it feeling worthy that you can make a seven figure earning or uh, living? Or is it having the ability and the know-how to make a seven figure living? Which one comes first? For me, it was the worthy part. When I knew you can do anything and like finally just put down those limiting beliefs, then it's, you're unstoppable. All, the, everything else I can figure out. It was the whole worthy thing for me. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I would say worthy too because there's so many different ways that you can earn a million dollars. You can make a lot of money. But if you're not right in your head, if you're not feeling like, man, wow, I can, I can do this. I, I don't think you're going to take action on anyway. So for me, definitely it was, it was worthy. Um, and just getting my mindset kind of wrapped around what, you know, what does that even look like? Uh, because w when you've never had that, you know, you, you, I really believe you have to, you have to believe in it first, uh, that you can have it. And so definitely, definitely a worthy thing. I would wholeheartedly agree with both of you. Now you guys do a lot of coaching of people that are six figure earners, seven figure earners and beyond. What are the common threads? What are the traits that you have to have to be a seven figure earner? You have to have focus, definite focus. You don't just fall to that income and you have to know what's essential to you. I think to really get to that level and to be able to really hone in on what it is that you want and then dedicate a lot of time to it to build the skill sets to achieve it. You know, I would say definitely it's focus, it's skill set, it's belief level, um, but it's got to be essential to you in your daily life for sure. Sticking with you, M, what is the biggest pitfall that you see when you know someone's capable of being a seven-figure earner, but they just don't put it together? They're distracted. I see people get really distracted because they see what other people are doing in life. Um, you know, with social media, there's a lot of time wasted. Um, and then it's just your associations. I see really amazing, incredible people that just get in the wrong associations and that hinders their success big time. You got to surround yourself with the right people. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
Hayden, what about you? Um, what do you see that are the common traits among seven-figure earners? Uh, I would say, and probably the most unsexy word ever, is consistency. Um, I think seven-figure earners, are, they're consistent. Whether, no matter what business they're in, they always are in it a little bit each day. Even if they're on vacation, even if it's a holiday, they're in touch with it in, in one way or the other. Um, so I, I see that is is being the biggest thing. I mean, with the people that we've worked with and, and coached, uh, they're just they're consistent, and it's not flashy. It's not you know it's not glamorous, but it's what gets the job done. Uh, and I I just see that as a huge common thread. Um, something else that you know with with six and seven figure income earners, uh, it's just they're they they know like there's something just deep down inside like they know that they're worthy of it. And, and going back to that worth, I mean, they, they have it. They know that they're, you know, no matter what, well, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to figure it out. And even if the person that, you know, is mentoring me or doesn't, you know, they don't believe in me, my surroundings don't believe in me. It's like, no matter what, I'm going to make it happen. And they just kind of have that attitude that they can do it um, with or without you. So you mentioned something that really piqued my interest. And, and you said, the common thread is that you see them being so consistent that they're doing at least some work towards their dream seven days a week. Uh, I got to have a moment of transparency here. I work seven days a week and I'm not saying nine to five. Obviously, sometimes it might just be a quick call or something like that. You guys definitely work seven days a week, um, or at least when I see you, it seems like you are. I've had moments where sometimes I get really frustrated and I throw a little fit about it but then I, I reframe it to gratitude. You guys ever have those moments or do you just kind of power through and you know, you love the results. You just keep going. Oh, we have those moments a lot. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things being a couple that helps us with is that when one of us is, is down, uh, usually the other one's up and can help pick us up. Um, but we have those moments all the time. Like we don't just wake up in the morning every single day, you know, on fire, fired up, you know, rainbows and, and sunshine everywhere. Um, I, I guess it kind of helps, uh, being in California a little bit more, we get a lot more sunshine now. Um, but it's, it's something that you have to always get back to. Why did you start? And I think that's the thing that gets us back into the mode of even if we're not feeling like it, because we, we could with, with what we do. We could disappear for a day, a week, a month, and a we'd still be a year and we'd still be fine. Um, but it's it's more it's just always going back to that why and having that driving force, uh, because if you don't go back, it's I think it's easy to lose that. And and I like personally feel responsible for um, helping other people be successful as well. So it's it's you just got to get back on track. I mean, do it. M, do you ever want to freak out? Oh, yes, I, I do. Absolutely. And it's that whole quote, like everything's going to work better if you just unplug for a minute. Um, but absolutely. And I know when I get those moments that maybe it's time for me to just chill out, you know, do some self-development, run, work out, whatever it is. Um, but I also know that on the other side of it, when I serve someone, I'm going to feel so much better. And so sometimes it's just the feeling of, oh, I don't want to do this. But after I do it, it's like my fulfillment is up and I'm gold, you know, so. Okay, so I want to touch on something that Hayden said, and, and either one of you can go first. He said, you don't always wake up in the sunshine and roses. You know, same here. But people feel like we do, thanks to social media, right? <laughs> what do you have as a routine or a practice or habits that take you from crabby and groggy to the, the people that we get to see on social media for the most part? Mm. Well, first of all, I get a coffee in bed every morning. Whoa, by this guy? Yes. <laughs> okay, I got to step it up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's amazing. I thank God for that. Um, but no, the morning is everything. It is everything. And that has what I believe turned us into, you know, seven figure plus income earners. Um, but just waking up with gratitude for sure. Like in the morning, I'll do five things I'm grateful for. And then b before I started all this, I mean, I, at first I was like, what? Like 
this is weird. Do I really have to do this? But if you want God to give you more, you've got to be grateful for what you have now. And so I start out that way. Sometimes I'll read a little bit, nothing large, 10, 20 minutes. And then I've recently started practicing meditation, which is changing the game for me for sure. That's awesome. Hayden, same routine? Yeah, it's very similar, except I have to make my own coffee. Uh, but that's totally okay. Uh, getting, I think getting into gratitude, even when you don't feel good, when you get done with that, you're like, is it really that bad? Like, do I, is it really that hard for me to get up and, you know, do what I know I need to do? Um, and so that's something that's really shifted me. Cause I didn't do that right away. Uh, cause I was just like, I don't know. Like that just seems kind of like a little woo woo and, once I started doing it, I really, I know why it's so important. And then reading, um, I like to read about 10, 15 minutes in the morning, uh, as well. So I think that's just that morning routine is so important. Uh, for me, I also need to work out in the morning. Cause if I don't work out in the morning, I'm not working out at all. That's just the way I've always been. Uh, and it's like one of those things you don't, you still don't want to work out every day. You're not excited to work out, but you know that you're going to be excited when you're done because you feel better those endorphins are high Mm -hmm. your energy's through the roof and and you're ready to get get after the day then i love that you guys have such great gratitude practices i honestly believe that no matter what you're going through no matter how low it is how crappy you feel you can snap yourself right back into gratitude if you want to Mm -hmm. i firmly believe that anywhere any situation i still believe that you can snap yourself back into gratitude if you want to emily you mentioned god Faith plays a big role in your success and your leadership. Talk to us about that a little bit. Mm, for sure. I, I'm a better person because I have a great relationship with God. And there's been many times in my life where I felt lost and, you know, I didn't grow up with a dad and coming, coming to God, to Christ, however you want to call it, that has really saved me. It literally has saved me, um, in so many ways, but it makes me a better person. Um, and I just strive, you know, there's all these people we want to be like, I honestly look at Jesus and that's like the ultimate person I'd want to be like. So that's so cool. Hayden. Yeah. I I mean, same. I, again, I think my, my upbringing, I was blessed to be in a, in a family environment that always encouraged that. And so I was always around that. Um, but even for us being married, it's given us the same foundational principles to build our relationship and build our marriage off. So there's always this guiding, you know, this guiding light, this guiding path that we always have these foundational principles to go back to. If something goes awry, if, you know, something's not feeling right, whatever it may be, we always have the same, uh, I don't know, lighthouse. We always have the same path that we know we need to follow. It's so interesting. I don't know if I want to take a left and talk about you guys working as a couple because you just mentioned that or if I want to take a right and and link this current conversation to generosity and giving. I'll let you choose. Couple or generosity and giving? Which way do we go right now? Let's go generosity and giving. Okay. Yeah. So would you say your how you mix spirituality with business, does that have a big influence on the fact that you guys are two of the most giving and generous individuals that I've, I've ever seen? Yeah, I, I would say yes, because it was, it wasn't like a, a weird thing. It wasn't like, oh, everything I get is always mine. No, it's a 10% always goes to God. And it's always, no matter if we've had a lot of money or a little money, the, the percentages, the, the principles have always been the same. And now we've been blessed with a lot more, so we can give a lot more. We can do a lot more, and that's that's what's exciting. Um, but it's I don't, it's been fun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's been it's just been fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So uh, tell me about one of your favorite moments of giving. Mine, I love. Um, it's the little things. I love the little things. Whether it's paying for somebody's coffee, you know, buying somebody's lunch, being able to do that, not have to stress about it. Um, but then also giving back to, you know, maybe, maybe it's one of my old sports teams, uh, that I grew up in high school, uh, college, whatever it may be. Um, and that's something I get excited about because it had such a dramatic impact on my life, uh, being in that team atmosphere, having those, those male role models, 
uh, in my life. Uh, it, it made such a huge impact that I want to be able to continue giving back to that so that they can continue to bless other uh, young guys as well. Yeah, that's so important, that, that, that young formative age. And what's your favorite version of giving? What's your favorite giving moment? What, what trips your trigger? One of my favorite most recent is is helping fund a school in Uganda for young girls so they can be entrepreneurs, doctors, nurses, you name it. Um, it's just so amazing to be able to do that. I mean, I just think about it. I'm like, we're not even 30 years old yet, and we're being able to impact the world on that kind of scale. But I also am right there with Hayden, you know, being a former massage therapist, like I lived on tips, right? Being able to tip well, um, being able to have business partners and really treat them and incentivize them. Um, it's just, it's just amazing to be able to, to give it's, it's the best feeling in the world. That's so cool. It's neat that you mentioned you, you lived on tips and I think a lot of times people will forget or be stingy with their tips. I'm a firm believer that you need to be a massive tipper mm-hmm. regardless of your experience because these are people's livelihoods, you know, and, and by you withholding a tip just because maybe they're having a bad day, that's not going to help them have a better day. But if you give them a great tip, even though they're having a bad day, that might change their day from that moment forward and create this really awesome butterfly effect. Absolutely. So what role does generosity and giving play in business? How can it help people create a better, stronger business? Man, I, it's, I think it's foundational in business, especially in business today. Um, I think we've seen the whole landscape of business change to where it used to be well, the guys and the, the, the gals that you know made all the money. They were greedy SOBs and they were terrible people. And now you've seen this dramatic, I would say a dramatic, dramatic shift. Like there's no place for people in this world like that anymore. And it's more about generosity, giving. And when you can create your, you know, have your business culture centered around that, it creates happier people, happier employees, happier teammates. Um, Because when you're coming out of a giving spirit, everything's flowing better. Uh, people are being impacted at a greater level as opposed to just, you know, getting a service or getting a product. Now there's really this community involvement where people feel part of something more. And so I think it's, it's detrimental to, in order to have a successful business, you need to have a giving culture. You need to have a culture where you do stuff outside of the workplace that is contributing, whether it's, you know, donating your time, donating you know, your money, whatever it may be to a shelter or, you know, project, something like that. Um, I think it's, it's absolutely imperative when you're running a business now. Do you guys expect the people you work with to also be generous givers? We don't, I guess we don't expect it, but we hope that, you know, they are through our example that they see that and they see the impact that it makes. Um, we don't expect it. I I don't want to put those expectations on people because everybody has, you know, a different set of beliefs or whatever it may be. But I I think that once they see the power of being a generous giver, um, even just tip, I come, I came from a tipping background living off of that too. And it's like, when you can do that and watch somebody's face light up just because of that, that even if they're having a bad day after that, they're having a much better day. Oh, I love that concept that you bear the responsibility, not of expectation, but of demonstration mm-hmm. and some will follow suit. Hopefully most will follow suit, but it's up to each individual person. You're just the light that might turn them onto it. That's really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's talk about working as a couple. I know it has its challenges, its ups and downs. Hayden, a couple times in this interview, you've, you've talked about you guys, you know, working as a couple. Do you guys dream out loud together or do you dream separately? Both. Definitely both. You know, we've got our individual dreams and goals and aspirations, but we definitely talk together about, mm-hmm. you know, things that are on the horizon, like uh, crazy goals that most people would just laugh about if they heard us talking. Um, definitely, definitely both. Yeah, I think you got to have both. I mean, especially when when you, and you know, Chris, when you work with your spouse, you're together all the time. 
and you need to have a little bit of that individuality as well. Um, and so it's important to have your own personal dreams and your personal goals and everything like that. But also it's even more important to be on the same page and have similar goals that you're working together towards, uh, so that you can keep, keep growing and growing and growing. So I would say definitely, definitely both. You have to have both. Okay. So the biggest blessing of working together as a couple is growing together. Ooh, for that's sure. awesome. For sure. Hayden, you better have something on tip of your tongue for this. Come yeah, on. wow. Biggest I mean, blessing of working together. Is I mean, I just the hottest coworker ever. <laughs> there I think you go. That, that HR really HR rules go right yeah, out the window. I mean, <laughs> the amount of HR complaints that I receive is unbelievable. But the good thing is, I'm also the head of HR, um, and so that helps. You can but, just bury them. Yeah, I just bury. They're gone. I mean, she doesn't even get to see them again. Uh, but it's, I mean, growing together is, is so important. I mean, we talk about that all the time and some of our biggest mentors, they, they say, if you're not growing together, you're growing apart and we choose to grow together. Uh, and that's, that's been the biggest blessing. But I, I think also, you know, just being able to see your spouse get excited about something, have a major impact, start to really I mean, for Emily, step into her own and just be so powerful and me be able to be on that journey, you know, behind the scenes and see all of it play out. That's I I mean, that lights me up. That's so cool. Okay, now the opposite question. I have to ask it. Biggest challenge of working together as a couple. Wearing so many different hats. I think you have to we're having conversations at times because you're always going to have your arguments and stuff like that, but you have to, are we business partners talking right now or are we husband and wife? Because my answer, my tone is going to be very different uh, depending on which, which hat is on. So we have to establish those ground rules. I think that that's the most difficult part is like figuring out, okay, what, who, who are we right now? And, and let's have this conversation now. I would say one of the biggest challenges has to be that you could lock me in a room and I could work all day. I'm more introverted. I, I could just read, work, create, whatever. And Hayden's the opposite. I'm not saying you don't work because you work. But th that's, that's really where you don't want to one-up each other. And it can be really easy to do that. You know, like, hey, what did you do today? I've been slaving away over here. You know what I mean? I totally know. So I would say that's the biggest challenge. For sure. Hey, do you think you work harder because M is such a boss when it comes to this? Oh, for sure. Like I definitely, my work habits have changed, but I work in spurts. Like she can just sit down and really grind where I have to be more, a little more sporadic, like a couple hours here, go take a break, do something completely mindless and dumb and then get back to work again or, you know, go read a book or whatever it may be. But that's something we really struggled with was being like always trying to one up each other and be like, no, we're on the same team. Like we're not, we're not battling each other right now. Like it's we're, not a, we're not on the same scoreboard. Team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there should be one. You know, what's funny in my relationship, it's the opposite opposite. So I am you, Emily, like uh -huh. lock me in a room and I won't come out until my eyes are cross-eyed right. and Lori, you has to work in sprints, you know, sprint, take a break, sprint, get a distraction. It's so interesting how we're all built. I think you have to not only honor and know how you're built, what your work style is, but then you have to know that about your spouse mm -hmm. in order to get along, to not build stories around they're not working as hard or something like that. It's yeah. one of those crazy things you have to figure out as you go you as do. a couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are your tips for working together as a couple? You got anything for the listeners out there? It's that word called communication. You have to communicate. And this is something I actually learned from you, Chris, is, is having a meeting together once a week. So that's what we do. We either have it on Sunday nights or Monday mornings where we go over our schedule, you know, what's happening during the week and the month, and obviously that's quarter into the year. But then just like breaking it down, what are you working on? What am I working on? even our workout. So we're on the same page. It has changed the game for us. Just having that weekly meeting. That's cool. Yeah. That really is crucial. You got to treat it like a business. Yeah. I, I would say just understand that you're on the same team. Um, reiterating that point again is that, uh, you know, if you're working together with your spouse, 
like you're on the same team. Like, so you have to be on the same page. Communication helps so much, but it's not like a, a scorecard where, because some days I'm going to get more done than she gets done. Other days she's going to get more done than I get done, but it's all, we're all working towards the same goal. So when you can set that precedence with your spouse, because a lot of people that we work with, they're one of the spouses has a full-time job. You know, the other one might be a, a stay-at-home parent or they have a part-time job and they might be putting more hours into their business together than the other one, but the other one is providing for the family, you know, at that time. So there's so many different roles. So I think figuring out those roles and being okay with that, but constantly evaluating that, okay, do we need to change something up? Is our business at a different place now? Maybe my husband, maybe my wife needs to take a different role in this so that we can continue to grow our, our business and ultimately get to where we want to be. You know, it's, it's amazing how much you guys have evolved over the, the past several years to become this powerhouse couple who you are today. And, and I know mentors have played a really big role in that. You guys have had some really cool big name mentors. Who are one or two of the mentors that have made the biggest difference in your life and, and how? For me, it's network marketing professional Eric Worre. He has pushed me, and it's like these just sudden little things. He puts pressure on me, and he's watching, and I don't think he's watching, and he's put me on stage and just made me do crazy things I never would have done on In my own. In front of 20,000 people. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Uh, so he is definitely one of those mentors, um, for sure. I would say... Just you and Lori are huge on so many levels from a relationship perspective, business perspective, how to live life perspective. Um, it's just been huge. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you for that. I love Eric Worre. I'm so glad you brought him up. That guy is just a stud in everything that he touches. He, he's got to be one of the greatest teachers out there ever. Hayden, what about you? Uh, well, uh, from a couple standpoint as well, um, I mentioned uh, that someone once told us if you're not growing together you're you know you're growing apart and that's Jim and Kathy Coover the co-founders of Isogenics absolutely salt of the earth type people and and when I first met them and watched how they operated together they've grown a multi-billion dollar company and they completely understand their roles they uplift each other they're never talking down on each other um, they're not trying to one-up each other uh, and that, those were, those were two big, you know, just mentors, uh, at first from afar. And now we've, you know, been able to create a personal re relationship with them. And it's been absolutely amazing what, what we've been able to, uh, learn both from a business standpoint, but also a personal standpoint. Um, so they've been huge. Um, we, I got to really, uh, meet one of my, you know, since I was a, a very little kid, uh, John C. Maxwell, yes. one of the most outstanding human beings on the, the face of the planet. I mean, he is like, you just want to lock yourself in a room with him and let him fill you with knowledge and wisdom. And he's kind of like that grandpa, like the storybook grandpa that you just want to like, hey, sit on, let me sit on your lap and, and just make me smarter, make me wiser. Um, because he's just filled with so much wisdom, practical knowledge, um, all of his books, everything he teaches. And we had an opportunity to present and speak with him uh, this last year. And that was awesome. Just, just a surreal moment, really being able to meet him in person uh, after reading all of his books and, you know, watching so much of his trainings and uh, things like that. So he's been he's been a huge mentor of ours as well. Yeah, huge fan of him. So just for the record, you just told about 100,000 people that you would like to sit on Grandpa Maxwell's lap. <laughs> it's okay. I already told him that, and he had the same reaction, but it's truly how I feel. Uh, and he said he would rather have Emily sit on his he lap. He did say so. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. I agreed with him, but he's just got, he's just got that, that wisdom, he's a, uh, that, that figure you just, you just hope to have someday. That's awesome. Emily, you mentioned some of the opportunities that, that Eric Worre has given you and, and the role he's played in your development, and, and I've watched it. It's been huge. He is you know, one of the absolute biggest, greatest teachers in all of sales, not to mention the network marketing profession. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that profession because 
you guys have had a lot of success network. Matter of fact, you're two of the most respected network marketing professionals and trainers in the whole industry, in the whole industry. So talk to me about this profession. I feel like a lot of times it's misunderstood. So why are you such a fan of network marketing? There's so many reasons. It's one of the fastest growing professions in the world. I mean, looking at it just this year alone, $167 billion in sales. And I believe so many people want more in their life. They want to contribute more to their household. They want more time, more money, all that stuff. But a lot of people don't want to go get a secondary job. They don't want to put in more time. They don't want more time away from the family. So network marketing, when you find the right company, is the most beautiful profession where you can work it an hour here, an hour there, and build some real residual income. I'm obsessed with it because it's residual income. You know, and if you're not familiar with that, you should learn what residual income is. I learned about it when I was just 23. I was working two jobs at the time, grinding away. And when I learned what residual income was and is, I would walk through a brick wall to get it. For the listeners that don't know what it is, what is it? So let's just let's just take Beyonce for a minute. Like she's in the the studio recording her album. She does it once and then she replays it. They replay it. The radio station replays it. The the new movie that just came out is playing it. She's making a residual. She's making a residual and she's sleeping. She's making a residual 24 of the seven. So that's essentially what's happening with network marketing. When you find a company with a great product that you believe in or service, what happens is you get someone started on it and it, it auto ships, it goes out every single month. People get addicted to the products. They see the change and you start to build a residual income. And so, you know, why I love network marketing again is because it gives any ordinary person, any person, every background. I've seen it over and over again. People that are engineers, doctors, surgeons, stay-at-home moms, 18-year-olds, entrepreneurs, just be able to take a company they love, they believe in, with a product or service they love, they believe in, share it, and if they want, they can build a team, and it pays out on unlimited levels. It's the coolest thing in the world. It's amazing. The way you're describing it, it's like if you love Lululemon and you always wear Lululemon, if they would actually pay you for all the people that saw it on you and went out and got a pair. Exactly. That's so, so freaking awesome. Hey, mm-hmm. what about you? Why are you such a big fan? Well, it's because anybody, I think why I'm, why it's good and why it's bad is because anybody can do it. And you, that's why I think it's had such a bad name is because there has been some screwballs. There's been some, just like any profession, any industry, there's been bad companies, there's been bad people, bad leaders, and, and that's okay, but with where network marketing is at now, it's gone through its infancy, nasty teenage years, and now it's really coming into adulthood, and you're seeing so many well-respected people that have been opened up to the possibility of what network marketing really is. When you, when you kind of peel back the curtains and you, and you look at it for what it really is, it's the most beautiful form of business that there can possibly be because the only way... You can earn money is by helping other people, helping them reach their goals, uh, whether it's physically, financially, through a service, whatever it may be, but it's the only way. So it's like this personal growth journey that you're on with a pay plan. And, and you see this happen where people begin to get better and better the more money they earn. And within this profession, you will be able to grow into the income that you're earning where some other professions let's say professional sports you have these males females that have nothing and all of a sudden they sign a five million dollar contract they don't have the identity yet they don't have the mindset yet where in network marketing you can grow into that you don't have to you know pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school and learn about it you can really start earning while you're learning and People are making an extra 10,000, 20, 30, 40, 50,000, six figures now while they're still learning this profession. It's just absolutely mind blowing. It really is. You know what's funny is I feel like it wasn't too long ago that it was one of those things you talked about quietly, like, oh, I do this as well. Now, in today's age, it's the opposite. It's one of those things where you're kind of the odd man out, or it's a little bit weird if you're not doing a side hustle and it's not network marketing, mm-hmm. it's not something that fits into the schedule. 
uh, or into the, the pockets of your day. So what do you see for the, the future of your industry? It's going to explode. It's, it's not you're in network marketing. It's what company are you in? It truly, truly is. It's such a beautiful form of business. And, you know, we talked about so many great attributes it has, but it's, it's the culture it can provide, um, for people, the friendships they can have with it. And, you know, I especially think the millennials, you know, they want choice. They want freedom. You know, so many calls I've done have been with younger people. They have no stigma to it. They love the idea behind it. They don't want to be stuck in a cubicle. You know, they want the options and the freedom. So the future is looking bright for sure. What What was the question again? <laughs> I was just getting so excited over here. I just said, what do you see for the future <laughs> of your industry? Yeah, I, I really, same thing. It's going to be what not, oh, your network market is going to be what company are you a part of? I mean, it, it truly is. And I, we believe that to our core um, because there are so many good companies now, you know, and so many people that are hungry for something else. They want to be in control. They don't want to have to worry about the economy. They want to create their own economy. And in network marketing, you can truly do that. And the more people are starting to get around it, you know, I think social media has helped so much. Um, maybe in the beginning stages, it was, you know, kind of all these yahoos walking around flashing cash and, you know, laying in front of cars that they rented for the hour. And then they took 400 pictures and then they laid them out, you know, like it was just this whole fake facade thing. And now it's becoming more of a culture of giving back. Um, it's becoming more of a culture of contribution. And, and I think with that turn in the, in the profession, in the industry, um, it's only allowing it to expand even more. Oh man. You know what? I, I think you just nailed it. It's actually gone from something that was a business to a culture. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a huge shift. There's things where it's just a business. And then there's things where it is an absolute movement, an absolute mm -hmm. culture. And, and I feel like that's the direction that it's going. That's mm -hmm. the energy that you guys are kicking off. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So before I ask you the final question, I've got to know, and everyone else is going to want to know, where can we find you? Where can we get a hold of you guys? I love Instagram, Facebook, just at Emily Vavra. I share every single day on there, either Facebook Live or just our lifestyle or what we're doing. Yeah, I, same thing. Instagram, Facebook, Hayden Vavra. Um, you'll see a lot of uh, our dog Hugo as well on there. Um, so that's always makes it fun. I love it. You know, you just mentioned one thing that I want to throw in here before I ask you the last question. That is, you talked about you do so many Facebook Lives and you put so much content out. I think oftentimes when we talk about giving and generosity, we, our minds automatically go to the finances of it. Mm -hmm. I think we forget that there are people that are pouring their heart into giving so much quality content on the daily that if you just followed them and tuned in every day, you could crush it in whatever it is mm -hmm. that you, you know, you're trying to do. And I feel like the two of you, are those people where if people would just follow you and tune in every single day, you give enough free content where regardless of what their industry is, they would be able to go out and crush it each and every day because of the actionable content that you guys give. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. It's just another form of giving, which is not a surprise. Yeah. I mean, you don't have anything good until you share it, right? Uh, yes. Seriously. Nothing has any value until shared. All right. So last question. And I ask everybody this question all the time. I get so many different answers. It's, it, it's crazy. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? I believe God created all of us so unique and wonderfully made. And when you get quiet and get real with who you are, what lights your soul on fire? what ways you want to contribute, what do you want to do with the knowledge you have thus far? Like you can really live large and we shouldn't be held back from that. We shouldn't. Too many people are looking around. What are, what's so-and-so doing? Am I going to sound stupid? What are people going to think? And it's really sad because we have all been given just so many unique qualities and traits that we've got to step into 
to make that impact. Every single person that's listening to this has traits and qualities that they're probably hiding because of fear of what people are going to think of them. It's so funny that was your answer. I, I always use this, this example. I feel like, you know, one day we're all going to get to the gates of heaven and, and God's going to say, hey, Emily, I gave you these awesome gifts. How'd you do? Right. And if you hid them or if you're worried about other people judging you so you didn't really use them, imagine having to answer, oh, well, I didn't use them because I was scared. And, and oh. then having, having God or whoever you believe in be like, wait a minute, who were you scared of judging you? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's crazy. I gave you these gifts. I gave you these traits, but you chose not to use them. What a waste. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. Hayden, mm-hmm. why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? Because when you have more, you can give more and you can do more on, yes, there's only so much you can do with your, your time. That's great. But when you have an income, when you have money, your, your reach can expand, your reach can multiply. You're not only now giving in the place that you're currently at, but you're giving across the world. You might be giving to six different places at the same time. And if you don't pursue what you are passionate about and you don't pursue, uh, you know, earning that extra income to whatever level it may be, you're holding other people back because you, as so many people are watching to see what you do. And when you continue to be on the pursuit, when people see you light up, they can't help but be encouraged by that. The right people will be encouraged by that, I should say. Um, and, and so I think it, you, you have to unapologetically go after your pursuit. Um, in no, no other time in the history of, of humans have we been able to passionately pursue what we absolutely love and, and earn an income doing it. There's been no other time in, in, in the world to be able to do that for every single person. And so I think you, you absolutely have to go after it and do it so that you can be that shining example. I love it. Emily and Hayden Vavra, you guys crushed it. Thank you for so generously sharing all of what's inside you with everyone who is listening. Thank you. We love you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, It goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.